This is the Maimonides Minute on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Now, here's Rabbi Scott Kahn. Welcome to the Maimonides Minute. Today's podcast is sponsored in honor of Chava Bas Pesya. We continue now with Hilchot Chameitu Matzah, Perak Sheni Halacha Aleph. Mitzvat HaSemin HaTorah, Le'ashpita Chameitz, Kodem Zman Isor Achilato. There is a positive mitzvah from the Torah to remove the chametz before the time that it becomes forbidden to eat it. Shene'emar, as it says in the Pasuk in Shemot, Bayom HaRishon, Tashpitu So'or Mibatechem. On the first day, you must remove the leaven from your houses. What does the first day mean? Mipi by tradition, Lamdu, they learned, Sherishon Zed, this word first, the first day, Hu Yom Arba'asar, is the 14th day, meaning Erev Pesach. Urayala Davarze, and the proof of this, Mashikatuv Batorah, is that which it says in the Torah, Lotishchat al Chamet Dam Sivchi. You may not slaughter on the Chametz the blood of my sacrifice. Klomar, meaning, Lotishchat Pesach, Beachamet Kayam. You may not sacrifice the Korban Pesach while the Chametz still exists in your possession. Ushchitat Pesachi, Yom Arbaasar Achar Chatzot. The time of slaughtering the Korban Pesach, is the 14th day of Nisan, Erev Pesach, after Chatzot, afternoon. Therefore, since we understand from Torah Shabal Peh, the oral law, that one may not sacrifice the Korban Pesach while you still own Chametz, accordingly, when it says you must remove Chametz from your possession on the first day, it obviously must mean Erev Pesach rather than Chag HaMatzot, Pesach itself. Halacha Bet. What does this removal refer to in the Torah? It means that one nullifies the chametz from his heart and thinks of it as dust. And establish in his heart that he owns no chametz whatsoever. And all the chametz which is in his possession, it is like dust and like something which he has no need for whatsoever. According to the Rambam, the primary understanding of hashpata, removing chametz, means to nullify it in his heart, to say, I don't want it, it's worthless to me. Halacha Gimel. However, by rabbinic law, one must search after chametz in hidden places and in holes in his house. He must check and remove it from his entire property. Similarly, there is rabbinic law. One must check and remove the chametz at night at the beginning of the 14th, the beginning of Erev Pesach, 24 hours before the Seder, by the light of a candle. Because at night, people are found at home. And the candle is good for checking. That's the two reasons that one must do this Din of Hashpata, which could be done the next morning by Torah law, but one does it really at night, this rabbinic Hashpata of checking for Chametz, because first of all, at night... One uses a candle, which is better for checking. And second of all, because people are found in their houses at night, and therefore we can be sure that they'll do it, rather than saying to do it in the daytime when they may not be home. One may not establish a time for learning at the end of the 13th going into the 14th, meaning at the time right before B'dikat Chametz. Similarly, a Tamid Chacham should not start learning soon before the time of B'dikat Chametz, at the end of the 13th of Nisan. 
Shema yimashech yimana mibitika bitchilat zmana. Lest it continues and he get distracted and he doesn't end up doing the bitikat chametz, the checking for chametz, at the beginning of the time he's supposed to do it. Halacha dalet. Ein botkin, lola or halavana, lola or achama, belola or havuka. One may not check with the light of the moon or the light of the sun or the light of a torch. One must use the light of a candle. A candle meaning something smaller than a torch. When is this true? When one's checking the holes in this house and in hidden places. But a portico with lots of daylight. If he checks that by the light of the sun, that's enough. The middle of a courtyard, a does not require checking at all. Because there are birds there, they will eat any chametz that falls there. Accordingly, there's no need to check it yourself. A hole in somebody's house, which is between his house and his neighbor's house. They share a common wall, in other words, with a hole in it. One checks as far as his hand can reach. And the other one checks as far as his can can reach. And that which is in between, if there is chametz further than their hands can reach, he should nullify it in his heart. Any place where a person does not bring chametz, does not require checking. Holes inside someone's house, which are high up or very low down, an extending roof, which is sloped on the outside, the refet bakar, a barn for cows, belulin, chicken coops, matbein, storehouses for grain, votrot yain, votrot shemen, and storehouses for wine and oil, which one does not use during the meal. They're long-term storage rather than short-term storage. Uvet agim gedolim, a large storehouse for fish, a type of aquarium, they do not require bidikat chametz. Ela imkain hechnis lahen chametz. Unless someone brings chametz to those places normally. You can assume these places, if you don't normally bring chametz to them, do not have chametz. All of these examples are places that one does not normally go in the middle of a meal while he's carrying a sandwich. Accordingly, there's no reason to assume that there would be chametz there unless you know otherwise. Aval otrot shechar v'otrot yain shemistapek mimenu. However, storehouses of beer and wine that one uses in the middle of a meal, a place one might go with his sandwich in hand during the meal. Uveit HaMelach, a place where he keeps the salt. Uveit HaShava, a place where he keeps his wax. Uveit HaGim Kitanim, a smaller storehouse for fish. Uveit HaYitzim, a place where he keeps his wood. Uveit HaMoryas, a place where he keeps fish brine, which one can use to dip his bread into. V'chorei HaBayit HaYitzayin, and holes in the middle of the wall. They're easily accessible. And other places like this that one would go to in the middle of a meal, they do require because the assumption is one does bring chametz to these places. If, however, he knows for sure that in any of these places he did not bring any chametz, he does not have to check them. His knowledge that he did not bring chametz in them overrides the assumption that they may very well have chametz. When he checks his wine cellar, a wine cellar that he would use during a meal, where does he check? 
Shehain Haliona, Vishilamata Mimena. He must check the two outer rows, meaning the top two rows of the wine cellar. If you imagine that the wine is stacked up in rows, both horizontally and vertically, he must check the top two rows and only the outer two of the top. That's because that's where we assume he would go to get his wine during the meal. The lower ones and the ones further back are not taken during the meal and accordingly, very unlikely to have chametz there. And he does not need to check them. One does not need to suspect that an animal, a weasel or a mouse, or some other type of creature, drags some chametz into a place that one does not normally bring chametz. If we start worrying about house to house or room to room, maybe a room that I know there was no chametz in, perhaps a mouse brought some chametz into it. We have to suspect every single place in the city. Maybe an animal brought something from this city to the next city. And there is no end to the worry about this. Accordingly, we say we don't think about animals bringing things from room to room if there is a room that you know you did not bring chametz into it. And if there is chametz in that place... We can rely on the Torah law, the one is Mavat Lobelibo. He nullifies it in his heart. Badaklel Arbaasar. If he checked the night of the 14th, Viniach Eser Chalot, and he put out 10 pieces of bread, Umatsatesha, he only found 9, Hareza Choshesh. In that case, he must worry about it. And in that case, where he only found nine, he must check a second time. Because in this situation, a weasel or a mouse certainly took one of the pieces of bread and moved it somewhere else. One does not have to worry about an animal moving bread if I have no evidence of it. However, here, where there is actual evidence, one must worry about it and one must check again. Similarly, if he sees a mouse going into his house with chametz in his mouth, after he checked, he must check again. He has evidence. Even if he sees crumbs in the middle of the house, one does not say, the animal already ate the bread, and these are the crumbs from that bread. I don't have to check anymore because this animal obviously already ate the bread. That's not what we say. Ella, rather, We worry, perhaps, this mouse put down the bread, this chametz that he brought into the house, in some hole or in a window. And these crumbs were already there. Therefore, he must go back and check all over again. If he finds nothing, he must continue checking the entire house. If he finds that piece of bread that the mouse had brought in when he came in, he does not need to continue checking. Once he finds that piece that the mouse had in its mouth, he may stop. If he sees a little child walk into a checked house, a house which already had b'dikat chametz, and he has bread in his hand, and then he follows him, and he sees crumbs on the ground, he does not need to check anymore. Because we can assume that the child ate the bread, and these crumbs he sees on the floor fell from the child at the time the child was eating it. Why do we worry about a mouse, but we don't worry about a child? It is the nature of a child to make crumbs when he eats. It is not the way of a mouse to make crumbs when it eats. 
If, after going into the house that had already been checked, you can't find any crumbs, and this child had been in the house with bread, in that case, if you don't find crumbs, you have no evidence that the child ate the bread, you have to check the whole house all over again. He left, outside the house in some place, nine piles of matzah and one of chametz. A mouse comes and takes from one of them. We don't know if he took from the one pile of chametz or from one of the nine piles of matzah. And then this mouse takes this unknown quantity into a checked house. Must you check the house again? One might think that the law of Rove would apply here. There's a majority of matzah, a minority of chametz. Therefore, we can assume that the mouse took from the matzah. That, however, is not the case. One must check again and assume that it was perhaps chametz. There is a law which says all things that are established, that come from a set place, it's a 50-50 chance. In other words, the law of Rove, of majority, applies when something is found away from its original place. An example in Kashrut, if you find a piece of meat on the ground, it could have come from nine different stores that were kosher, and one store that was treif, you can assume it came from a kosher store. If, however, you go into a store, nine of which are kosher and one of which is treif, and you don't know which store you went into, you went into its original spot. In that case, you have to assume 50-50, you must assume that it is not kosher. It's only 50-50. In this case, too, there were nine set piles of matzah and one set pile of chametz. This is a case of kavua. It's a case where the mouse took it out of a set pile. In that situation, one may not assume that it came from the majority, the rove. Rather, one must assume that it is a 50-50 chance either way, and one therefore, if the mouse takes a piece of chametz or matzah, we don't know, and brings it into the house, you must check again. That's all for now on the Maimonides Minute. If you are interested in sponsoring a podcast, please write to aliza at jewishcoffeehouse.com.